I want to ask you this question. Have you ever heard someone, or maybe you're the someone, someone who said, you know, I was made, I was born grumpy. I was born this way. I've actually heard that from a few Christians. In fact, the grumpy was the one that I, I had heard. But recently, I actually had someone that was telling me, I had Bible study with her about two, three weeks ago, and she said, well, you know, my mom said I was just born hyper. Some are born very logical. Maybe too grumpy, too hyper, too logical, too practical, whatever it is, I was born this way. And can you imagine? Think back, parents, to your own children. Did you see things in them from the time they were just newborns that said, this is a, a demeanor that they have, and I'm kind of looking to see if they're ever going to grow up this way. I remember with Malia from 10 months old on the ThinkPad. 10 months. And our other children, three, four, five years old, <laughs> night and day. How is that possible? One of them just has this sweet demeanor. They just take naps real easily. The others fight it all day long. Some will say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and you don't have to teach them. And the others, you have to beat it out of them. They're born that way, right? you got this nurture versus nature debate that goes on. But the bottom line is there's a little bit of both that go on. You've got a lot of nurturing that takes place. And there's a lot of things that are within the child, things that make them who they are. The thing is that when we look at these things, did you ever stop to think that every one of those things are gifts? Because I can tell you when you tell your children to be respectful and, and they don't seem to want to learn that, doesn't seem like much of a gift. We call it stubbornness. But every one of these things, whatever you have, they are gifts. Remember that when God made man on the sixth day, what did he say? Or what, what did Moses say when he recorded the creation of mankind? It was very good. God made us in his image. He made us with certain gifts, certain tendencies that describe who we are or make up the picture of who we are. And so when we look at these things, you know, before you're a Christian or before you're, and more to my point, converted to the Lord, get the same tendency from a natural standpoint. Stop and think about it. Before you live for Christ, you used your gifts for yourself. That's a pretty fair statement. In fact, for many of us, even after having become Christians, we still use those gifts that God has given to us for our own glory. But when you're truly converted to the Lord, or as you're learning to put off that old man of sin, just was what Paul was talking about in Ephesians, you begin to see that your life is not your own. Just as Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What if you're redirected? What if you could take a passage like Ephesians 2 and verse 10 that we realize that we were created in Christ Jesus because we are God's workmanship. We were created for good works. This is what God prepared beforehand, that we would walk in these, these steps, if you will, in this way that God had intended for us with the gifts that we've been blessed with. If we can understand this, then we can understand what conversion is all about. Think about that. The whole point 
of our being here, and this goes into next Sunday's sermon in the morning, is the fact that we are created to glorify our God. But He made us so unique, every one of us, just like our fingerprints are so unique that make us who we are, the same thing is true about every facet of our lives. Some of us were really good at encouraging. Some of us were really good at being steadfast. And we don't have to think much about these things because they're gifts. The difference is, there's one person that delights in God and another person that doesn't. And they're the same individual. That's why Paul can say, put off the old man. That you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. That you're a new person that when you put to death that old man of sin, that he was buried with Christ. And when he rises up to walk in the midst of life, he's a new creation. Same person. He's got the same stubbornness in him. He's got the same abilities that he had before, but what is he using it for? And the one who uses it to the glory and honor of God, that's the one who is converted to the Lord. And it may happen like that in some areas of his life, and it may be a lifelong process. Are you still working on things in your life? When Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, do you suppose that we're Christians for years that he wrote to? That for some other individuals, they had been in Christ for a number of years and they're still learning to be individuals that are continually growing in Christ, putting off that old man. This is the one who strives to be transformed. And so I'm wanting us to stop, quickly consider these things because there is a progression of where I'm wanting to go with these lessons over the next couple of weeks that I think is very, very telling. And I just want you to know that some of these points are very fundamental to our faith. And there may be some in here that are saying, but Mitch, I already know these things. Can you give me some meat? With all love and respect. I guarantee the meat will come from the pulpit. But if you're mature enough, you know how children begin to spoon feed themselves? You grow in the grace and knowledge of God's Word. You take the time to study God's Word and you'll get your meat. You get three courses every day if you like. You don't have to wait till Sunday to get the feast. I'm wanting some fundamental points that I want to share with you for a very specific reason. We have among us, I would venture to say, because of what has been shared with me over time, we have those who have not obeyed the gospel. And we also have brothers and sisters in Christ who have obeyed the gospel, but from a biblical perspective, would be regarded as babes. And we also have brethren who have been in the Lord for many years that still need the first principles of the oracles of God. And so I'm hoping this will edify and encourage the brethren here from the standpoint of what we are supposed to be about. And it's very fundamental. When you stop and consider that natural man, here's a person who's fleshly, and of course Brent just read for us out of John chapter 3, right, with Nicodemus. Talk about a fleshly mind. When Jesus was saying you need to be born again, can you imagine an adult saying, how is that possible going back into my mother's womb again? I, can you imagine today, the way we think of these things, why would he even think that way? I can see a child asking that question, but an adult? Even adults need to be growing in their minds and, and go from that fleshly man to a spiritual man. And so that fleshly man, here's a person who 
has all kinds of gifts, but it's not looked upon that way. This is true of the unconverted as well as the converted. The difference lies in those directions. Now, stop and think about that unconverted man. I gave an example of someone who's stubborn. and I was talking about myself. <laughs> my mom told me and my grandmother told me, oh, year after year after year, Mitch, you want to run for president? You're only 13. And what she meant was, I knew it all. When I didn't, right? But boy, I sure acted like I did. And when she would say to do something, I would stick to my guns and I would just know what I believe is right. Mom, I love you, but you're wrong. Can you, can you imagine telling your mama that? I'm getting payback now. <laughs> they may not say it in those very words, but it's pretty close. <laughs> that stubbornness, I am so glad for. Because the very thing that I was stubborn about, now I'm trying to have that same stubbornness to the glory of God. To be steadfast in His Word. And to know that my stubbornness, for fleshly reasons, are all put aside. Now, I still mess up. I still put up my walls. When, when you disagree with me, there's, that flesh just wants to come out and say, Oh, but you don't love the Lord like I love the Lord, right? You haven't studied God's Word like I study God's Word, and pretty soon I start belittling you. When That's not my goal. The flesh comes out. Same person. But the one who's a natural man uses these gifts that God has given to us for our own glory, not for His. And the person who is unconverted to the Lord uses those talents that God has for personal gain. We'll look at a passage uh, real quick that brings this point out. Look at Luke 12. In Luke chapter 12, I want you to look at this individual and, and see the end of his life. Beginning in verse 16, Jesus spoke a parable to, to these individuals among whom were two brothers. He said, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? It's already pretty self-evident, right? What a selfish individual. So he said in verse 18, this is what I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Here's a person that received all kinds of material wealth. And what did he do? Build up his barn. If we were to modernize this, we could say he accumulated many things, and instead of barns, it may be accounts. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my ease. I'm going to retire. My 401k, it even made it through this recession, depression, whatever you want to call it. It made it. Most people can't say that. But let's say this is a person that did and says, look, I've worked hard for this. I've put in my 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I earned it. Stop the thing just as a sidetrack. Are there individuals that work every bit as hard that don't make a fraction of that? Better believe it. I know there are many individuals that work very hard and hardly have anything from a material standpoint. 
The difference is, this is a person who has because God blessed. There are many individuals that we could look at in Scripture that we could see that God made them to rise up like King Nebuchadnezzar. And God also humbled him. Going from king to basically a beast before God let him rise back up again. We have to recognize everything that we have, everything that we have, is because God allows it. I want to ask you another side point, and then we'll bring all this back together. Do you believe in prayer? I asked you that question when I came and visited here a few weeks ago. If you believe in prayer, do you believe God answers? And if you believe in God answers, then you believe that He interacts in, our, in and through our lives. Otherwise, why pray to God? Why pray if, well, really, God doesn't... I mean, that's getting kind of too charismatic sounding. If God interacts with us. Now, I'm not talking about special things where we can lay hands and then we see miraculous things taking place. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about God's providential care. That we can actually pray to our God and He hears and understands. Even before we ask Him. If God can interact with us, and the Scriptures tell us He made us, and He lifts men up, and He brings them low, then we should understand that because He is a sovereign God, He rules over the lives of men, He knows the very hairs on our head, then why not understand that everything that we do is because of Him? The fact that you and I are breathing right now is because of God. When we remember that, then we move from this selfish kind of individual that says, look at what I have done. Over all these years. Imagine from a very selfish perspective, very selfish. Look at all the people that I taught the gospel to. Can you imagine Paul saying that? Look at what I have done. I have had taught so many people the gospel. I mean, it's all because of me that the kingdom of our Lord, I mean, God should be very grateful for someone like me. God didn't need Paul. Paul needed God. And he understood that. And everything he did, he says, 1 Timothy 1, verse 17, he did it because of God's grace. He might have been ignorant to God, but God saw in Paul a means by which he could mold him, shape him, change him in such a manner as to redirect his life so that Paul no longer lived for himself, but lived for the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we can see where one who is given over to this natural man, he's going to die in his sins. We look in Matthew chapter 16. Look at what it says in verse 24 and 25. Wonderful passage that reminds us the state of man when he lives without his God. Verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The natural man will die in his sins because everything he wants to do is to save his own life and he's going to lose it. But it's that converted man, the one who's redirected. This is the one who puts on Jesus Christ because he puts away the man of flesh. That's what faith is about. Now I want to live for the Lord. Now I want to give him glory. 
Now when we come to worship God, I want to praise His name and not just sing notes. I want to give Him very cheerfully, not just because that's what you do on the first day of the week. I want to listen to that prayer and amen the one that is leading us in that prayer because I am involved in the life of my brothers and sisters in Christ and the work that goes on here and the souls that we're trying to seek and the God that we're trying to to magnify. That's what I want to amen. And not just wait till the end of the prayer to say amen because that's what you do. What's different? This is a person who's redirected. There is purpose to coming together and worshiping God. There is purpose to your day-to-day living when you're redirected. What great purpose there is. When a person is redirected, Romans 12 makes sense. You know the sermon and the Wednesday night invitations that you hear over and over and over, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2? <laughs> that we will not be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which is our reasonable servant. But it means something. It's not just a quotation. It means something. Every step I make, I strive to glorify God. When I wake up in the morning and I eat my honey bunches of oats with peaches, thank you, God. When the afternoon rolls around and you have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, thank you, God. When you simply can wake up and turn out of bed and your eyes open, you have a day to begin to serve the Lord, to glorify Him, how wonderful is that? When you're young, it may not make so much sense, but as you get older, you're grateful, especially when you're in the Lord, serving Him joyfully. It's a wonderful thing. That's what happens. You take that stubborn man, and now he is steadfast. You take that zealous individual who is ignorant because his zeal is in his own knowledge. And now, he turns into a purposeful zeal with the knowledge that comes from the Word of God. What a big difference. You take that individual who has great hatred. Speaking of hatred, I remember a sister in Christ who, if you had met her, as many of the brethren in the temple had met her, they would never have guessed it. She referred to herself as a lady who cursed daily. She was in the military. And that's the culture, is the way she brought it out to me. And after she obeyed the gospel, she was, she like Aunt B. <laughs> I forgot the name of the show, the Andy Griffith show, something like that. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the mainland, I want you to know. I grew up in Hawaii, didn't watch the shows. But Aunt B, I think from that show, so sweet, you'd never know it. She had a lot of hatred. In fact, it was amazing that I could even have a study with her, I thought, knowing her granddaughter. But she turned into great passion. Passionate love. And when she was in the nursing home, she taught as many people as she could teach the gospel to. She died in the Lord after only being in the Lord for about three, four, five years. She died with great passion. Great zeal. That's what you have. When you read these scriptures, like in 1 Timothy chapter 1, read it with this understanding that you have this gift and it either is to your own selfish glory or to that selfless glory that belongs to God. 
read what Paul told Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. I love this text because it deals with his own life. In verse 12, Paul said to Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry of service. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That of that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me the or that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. He thought he was living to honor and glory of God when the gospel was present. But he did it in ignorance. With a clear conscience, thinking he was in service to God. But he looks back and saw the ignorance that he had. But with the wisdom that came from God, he was able to glorify God. And the same thing is true. Before we're converted to Christ, we're walking in one direction, whatever we're thinking, but it's for our own vain glory. That's why Paul said, I could put all these things away. They're all rubbish. When I'm redirected to the Lord, now I live for the very purpose of giving honor and glory to our God. Brethren, that's the part of putting off that old man. And this first principle, this fundamental truth, it's a lifelong lesson. You know, you can know the truth and still have to work on actually applying it every single day. It's true for elders, for preachers, for deacons, for Bible class teachers, for the, the most established brother or sister in, in the kingdom of our God. It's a lifelong lesson that needs to be learned as we continually are being perfected through Jesus Christ. To his glory. That's what being converted is all about. What's your life like? How are you walking? Are you striving to, to when you, from the time you wake up in the morning, to live to the glory and honor of our God? Are you striving to say, you know what? I know of individuals, wonderful individuals as far as the worldly standard is concerned, but their souls are in jeopardy. And I want to honor my God. I want to glorify Him. The way Jesus came to seek and save the lost, what I want to do. I want to do it through all my weaknesses. Because that way God is magnified, not me. Those who are straying from the faith, our brothers and sisters, I want you to stop and consider your life right now. The way you walk, the way you think. Is it to God's honor? Is it to God's glory? Or to your own? What I have found in 20, almost 20 years of preaching is when I get to this very point right here, straying Christians, you know how when you uh, want to give that sermon on attendance, and it might be on Sunday night, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, right? <laughs> well, if I come Sunday night and you're not here, no, <laughs> teasing. Stop and consider, if you have a heart that is hardened, you have a difficult difficult time hearing this very point because of the hardness of your heart. But if there's an ounce of tenderness in you, 
If there's an ounce of desire for the Lord and to glorify Him, consider this. You need to stop what you're doing. Evaluate. Realize that when you do things that brings you honor and glory because of what you have and not because of whom gave it to you and why you do things in this life, you're lost. And there's no hope for you unless you turn and are redirected. You're lost. And I'm talking to you as Christians. You're lost. There's no hope for one walking in darkness. When you read First John chapter 1, read verses 7 through 9, there's a difference between the one who walks in the light and the one who walks in darkness. Glorify God. Turn away from everything that is opposite and contrary to our Father in Heaven. And when you're redirected, you will honor Him. You'll glorify Him and nothing will separate you from Jesus Christ. Nothing.